At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is King Caroos, the Black History Buff, and welcome to a new segment called Our Stories Told Our Way. Often, I get contacted via Instagram or Facebook or Twitter by someone who's come across one of my posts and is either related to the person who I've written about or has some special insight that they want to share. Well, this segment is to give those people, maybe even yourself, the chance to share some of these amazing stories directly. Recently, I got talking to an amazing woman named Rory Flack, and it turned out that Rory was the first African-American woman to do a backflip on ice. It also turns out that Rory had a lot of other firsts as well. So rather than tell Rory's story for her, we spoke, I recorded it, and I let Rory tell her story her way. The interview actually begins with me dropping my microphone and fumbling my way back into the interview. The first question I'm asking her is, what made you, at age five, decide you want to get into ice skating? Now, I do get there eventually when I ask the question, so just bear with the fumbling and the audio gets better as it goes along and I promise I don't drop it again. So please, kick back, relax enjoy the show and forgive my little fumble at the beginning cheers are you able to kind of tell me like how you got into ice skating um like what it was like at the beginning um and and what led you to to that moment because it must have been quite a thing you know, like at, at, at five, the only thing I knew I wanted to be was a dinosaur or the incredible, <laughs> or the incredible Hulk. The last thing I wanted to be was anything athletic. I just wanted to play games and be Marvel characters. And at five, you were already skating. I mean, is this, is that something you always knew that you wanted to do? Um, well, yeah, from the first time I saw it on TV and I was, uh, 
it was like Saturday morning and flipping channels for my dad. And all of a sudden there was a, a girl that skated across a big field and it was ice, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And, um, it was amazing to me because when they said her name, how everybody screamed and applauded. And that just seemed like that was just instant acceptance, I guess you could say. And all she did was stand there. And then when she glided across the ice, it was like, oh, what is she doing? And, you know, so it was actually, it was um, Worlds, I believe, and, or I believe it was Worlds. It was Dorothy Hamill. And I, shortly after that, they opened a, a, the mall opened a rink by my house. And my friend had a birthday party and invited me to the party. I got on the ice and never wanted to get off. It was just, wow. a, it was a freedom, it was a feeling of freedom to be able to go so fast and literally not have to move. And that sounds weird because, you know, you skate, all of a sudden you're skating, but then you're just gliding. And the wind is going through you and it's cold. I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, so it was a hot you know, hot climate. And it was just, it was just freeing to be able to just glide there. And, you know, so from that moment on, I really felt I want to do this forever. And, and, and did you, did you, were you able to kind of like vocalize that when you hit the ice and you felt that freedom, did, did you know, did five-year-old Rory go back home to mom and dad and was like, mom, I'm going to do this every Saturday now. Or, or did that kind of oh. come a bit later? No, it was instantly when I got home. You know, you get home from a birthday party and you tell them everything about the party. Well, all I had to tell about was the ice cream and the ice skating. (laughs) (laughs) We had ice cream and then we went ice skating and I want to go back. When can I go back? Okay. That was the constant was when can I go back? And I remember my dad saying, oh, we'll let you go back one day. Um, so, you know, I thought, well, that's me. I wonder if, you know, when that day is and, and, uh, I don't even remember when I got to go back, but I just remember, um, it wasn't too long. My mother took me to a public skate and there was a woman there. Her name was Jerry, right? And she was a coach at the rink and she pulled my mom aside and she's like, she told me, told my mom how much talent I had and. She could get me lessons and get me into skating. And um, yeah, so it was, I think for my mom, what was interesting and, and well, intriguing about it was I was the only black person on the ice. The whole time, through a whole public skate for two hours, people coming in and coming out, I was the only black person on the ice. So and I when I got on the ice, I just skated to the middle and followed what the other skaters were doing, mm. you know, just trying everything. And Jerry told my mother that she had a used pair of Harlick boots with a Carnation Ace on them that she would sell me for sell to my mom for ten dollars if she put me in lessons. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were probably two um. sizes too big. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And 
did to you you know your mother noticed that but to you did you did you feel like yeah i'm the only person like me here or was it just you and the ice at that um, age oh no there was everybody was out there mm. every, you know what i mean i was like every, there was just there was just tons of people and i just wanted to find the one that looked the best and get better than them okay and and how long did it take for you to find the best and get better than them um i started lessons in june right after school was out and by december i was starting my first ice show wow <laughs> i i went through my class um we did a isi so i did Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. I went through four classes in by Christmas, and yeah, so they didn't even have me do the group number with the with the Learn to Skate kid. They just said, "Well, Rory's just she's she's in between so many levels. We're just going to put her by herself." Wow, so I thought, that's okay. Some... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have to do. <laughs> and shortly after. I remember, I mean, there's times in your life that, that you key into certain things, you know? And I remember at 10, my mother said to me, um, because, you know, I was just, I was just good. And she says, well, now if you want to win a competition, you have to be 10 times better than everybody else. So it was, then there was a, then there was a bar. And I couldn't figure out why 10 times better. She told me, <laughs> you know, I think I was, I understood why at 14 when I met Mabel Fairbanks and I felt that I was, well, I knew I was better because I was doing more than everybody else, but I couldn't win. Mm. Just, and, and that was the thing. It was like, I got to a point where I was like, mom, they're just never gonna let me win. Doesn't so, matter how much better I am. So I mean, for people listening and for myself even, what do you mean by they wouldn't let you win? Like, it, 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 I know that um, there's a scoring system, and it's it, the scoring is quite subjective, isn't it? But it why, is. why did so you explain to me why did you feel you weren't going to win? You hit you've hit that bar that you're you're now competing, you're ready to go. And you, you're, you've got the talent, but you're not winning. Why was that? Um, well, back then, I and my mother, you know, as you're, it's, in, it's, it's being ingrained in, in you. And remember, this is the early 70s. Mm -hmm. So the, what's being ingrained is me is that <laughs> we have to be so much better for them to even see us on the ice and take us seriously that the one thing you can never do, and she always says, never give them a reason because they already have one in America. So you think about it at that time in the States, um, I didn't know of any other black skater mm. at 13. Uh, Debbie Thomas was 15, was 18. I believe, uh, yeah, she was 18, and I had not seen or heard of her. So it was 
it was easy to to tell me why it's not it's not a sport it's it's an expensive sport we'll we'll start there and mm-hmm. that's why there's not a lot of blacks in there then you get down to the nitty gritty at seven, at 14 when I met Mabel Fairbanks and I said that and she she looked at me and she says um you know Rory if you quit cuz I wanted to quit I was just done and part of it was is we had school figures back then and the school figures you did first and then you did your freestyle and how they added it up was figures were worth 33% of your score and freestyle was worth the rest so you do your figures first and wherever you place they flip the order and that's how you skate your freestyle mm-hmm. it started out that every time i got on the ice to do figures i would be in last place mm. dead last and it got to people started thinking well she's just not good at figures she's just not good at figures you know, that was my downfall. So I'd always end up skating first or second to do my freestyle program. Yeah. And I would win the freestyle, but being in last and winning the freestyle puts you in fourth place overall. Every time. Yeah. Every single time. And first, first place is the first loser, if you ask me. That's how <laughs> I felt, because yeah. you're the runner-up. You get nothing. One, two, three, get something. Even second place, you know what I mean? It's like it's not didn't have to win, but I wanted to medal. I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. I, you know, I was the best out there, and I don't even get to stand on the podium. Yeah. And uh, so at that point, I ran into Mabel, and or Mabel was standing with my mother at a rink, and she says to me, "Do you know who that is?" And remember again. 70s early 70s or late 70s early 80s when you walk into a building and there's not very many black people and i don't know if it's like this over there but you acknowledge each other you get the nod yeah you've got the nod okay. that, that's the okay. universal <laughs> black fist you it's a black fist about a black fist you just mm, mm. yep <laughs> yep and it's always like for 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 us then, I would, I'd ask my mom, why, why do you do that? And she's like, because you know what? We made it. Yeah. We all came from Africa, and we made it to the same little rink in wherever we were. And this is a prestigious place where they never expected us. And you made it. So, yeah, you nod and you smile, and that's your, your achievement and your pride. And only we know this. So when she was explaining to me who this woman was, and it was Mabel Fairbank, and who broke down all the barriers for us here, not allowed in the rink when she was younger, you know, they had to sneak her in at night, just the story behind Mabel Fairbanks, and then she's standing there looking at me, I might cry, (laughs) and and I'm feeling put out by Mm -hmm. a woman who wasn't even let in. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. And and she looks at me and she says, you know what, Rory? If you quit, they win. It's all they want. They were not supposed to be here. And so they're not making it hard for us, but they're sure is not going to make it easy. And what you're feeling, your struggle right now, you get to compete. 
Blacks weren't allowed to compete in the U.S. until the early 60s. So Mabel Fairbanks, you know, in 1920, going into an ice rink, it took that long for the USFSA to approve Blacks to be in any type of skating club. So when I have the pioneer, the person who made it possible for me to even step on the ice, telling mm. me not to quit, okay. <laughs> okay. And so what, what kind of happened at that point? Like that was the... At that point, that was a changing point for me. And I got stronger, even though, you know, I felt I was as strong as I could be. I got stronger and I was even more determined to, to be somebody in this sport. Just more determined to, to make a name for us in this sport. And for me, it was always, and people don't even realize this, it was always, it was always a black thing. Mm. You know, it, it always was because what else did I know? You know, I, I ran track. I did gymnastics. At 10 years old, when, when, when I had to make a choice, and you have to be 10 times better, because you're already the best at track. <laughs> you completely accepted. I win everything. I'm fast. You know, I could do the 440 and the hurdles. And, you know, that's, that's an easy for me at that time and my body type, that's an easy dream. Gymnastics, I was, I was good too. And I was still yet the only black in gymnastics at that time also. Mm. So it's like, okay, so what do you want to do? Make a choice because you can't, you know, spread, spread your life so thin that you can be a, um, you, a jack of all trades, but master of none. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, so, so I just, you know, I chose skating and Mabel, Mabel, uh, she, she set me right, you know, cause I'm sure my mother could have told me that a thousand times over <laughs> and I, I probably would have looked at her and said, what do you know? You're not a skater. You don't know the feeling out there and how it feels when you're the best and you're standing in your skates afterwards with your dress on and you're watching everybody you beat stand up there and get a medal put around their head. Huh. It's, it's, it's like, it's a feeling of what more can I do? So from there, I, um, you know, I, I went up a level. I went home. I became a junior lady. I, uh, you know, and I just trained. I finally made it to nationals. It literally took me three years. It was my third year junior to make it to nationals, to make it out of fourth place. And wow. the year I made it out of fourth place, I was, you'll laugh at this, there was uh, figures, there was a short program and a long program. So the, the ratio, the percentage changed. And to get to nationals, I was at sectionals, and I got last in figures, first in freestyle, wait, first in short, first in freestyle, and third overall. And it was, like, for me, <laughs> finally I made it out. I finally made it to nationals. And <laughs> so when you say, why did, about keeping me out, never letting me win? Yeah. When I got to nationals, I got third in figures out of 22 people. 
And and I was the first to skate the first figure. And I remember I looked at my mom the whole time. I watched the leaderboard. I'm like, I'm still in first. I'm still in first. I'm still in first. I'm still in first. Okay. And I looked at my mom and I told, and I looked at her straight in the face and said, I told you I had good figures. <laughs> <laughs> like it was getting out of our coast, our section. I met Debbie Thomas too. And she was a senior lady. And her mother then told me that, or told my mother that they changed regions in order for her to make it out. They had to move. Mm. And the first time she made it to nationals, she was a senior lady. That's too long for a champion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And when you make it the first time you win, hello. <laughs> Something's not right there. And the, the year she won was the first year our nationals ever had three black athletes in it. In figure skating. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and that was 1986. It's unheard of. And and so the the, the three of you there, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're the first the the first three um, to make it. Mm-hmm. What was the camaraderie like between the three of you? Did, did it feel like you know? Did it did it feel like a first? Did it feel like a moment? Did it feel like, ladies, we're making history here? You know. Um... No, not so much. It, you know what it felt like? I guess this is the weird, the odd thing is that <clears throat> it was myself, Bobby Bochamp and Debbie Thomas, and we were in the same area of training. Actually, Bobby trained with me at the same rink. So when it was time for nationals, for us not understanding really the huge importance I remember that my coach, John Nix, called myself and Bobby into the office and before nationals, and he said, okay, we need to prep for this. And I, I'm looking at him like, what do you mean prep for this? We finally get to go to nationals. And he said, we need to prep for interviews because this is the first time there's ever been three black skaters at nationals, and it's going to be crazy with interviews. He really believe that so he started to to hype us up um our character you know making yeah. sure that you don't say anything in the in the in, in the elevators in the hallway in you know like any feelings that you have you keep them to your hotel room <laughs> because people you're going to be under a microscope and, you know, that's something that you don't, you don't feel it when I personally didn't feel it so much when I stepped on the ice. Everything went away. The only thing that was nerve wracking is it was my first time at nationals and I'd never stayed in an arena or a rink that big before. Mm-hmm. It was a little scary. But all the other parts of it, it, it didn't really factor into the feeling that I had finally made it. The only thing that factored into it was me thanking Mabel for keeping me strong. Yeah. You know, getting us here and keeping me strong because now is my time. And at that nationals, I was, no, actually I was second in figures, sixth in short program, sixth in long program, and third overall. 
because my figures were so high in second place. It didn't make a difference that I didn't, I mean, I didn't win the freestyles. I didn't win what everybody was waiting to see this little girl do. I didn't do it like I wanted to. Yeah. And I still got to stand up and they put the medal around. You know, it was like, it was, it was a feeling of love and peace and knowing that I'm all right, right there. Not fourth place anymore. Right. And you know what? <laughs> it was my figures that held me up that time. <laughs> the thing they said you couldn't do. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so then I thought, then I, you know, that was the redemption of, I told you they were holding me back. I, how can you explain to somebody or to everybody that what you're doing out there that only you and those judges walking across the ice can see that they're wrong. Mm. Do you know how do you, and then you sit back in every competition you do, you just, I just got better and better and better. Okay. My figures are just going to get better then. Cause I know they're good. I passed the test. And to you know, so, you know, in, in sports and, and sporting excellence, it, it is about those small gains. What, what did you do to get those small gains? Did you change a routine or was it just a sheer determination to, to, to get out of that fourth place? Was it just push? Was it? it was just a push. And oddly enough, you know, I had, I had pushed and was so determined already being first all the time in freestyle. I only had one area to focus harder on. You know, and that was the figures. And then again, and then um, training at a national level is different. So you have to train at a national level to get to a national level. Yeah. You know, people think you can train and I'll get be, then I'll be national level and then I can train like that. All those people who are going to nationals are already training like that. Mm. So, you know, you get a coach. I got um, that year. Uh, a sports trainer off ice started working out at the gym, you know, just, just, and more off ice lessons, stretching, just, yeah, getting, becoming a national champion in my head first. Got to come from within, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so it came from within and then I can, then all I have to do is, is show them. And to me, it's like, I, I tell my son who skates now, you must remember that you never go out there to prove yourself. It's not about proving what you can do. You practice every day to prove to yourself that you can do it in front of people. So when you go out there to skate, it's a show. You're just showing them everything you practice every day with the smile on your face. Because you can only be beaten by yourself at the end of the day. So it was, yeah, you know, it's just a different training thought process. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, that's going to stay with me forever, actually. In your head first. You're a champion in your head first. And then it comes <laughs> Don't let out. let anybody take it out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So you don't have to prove it to anybody if it's in your own head. That's right. That's right. You don't have to tell anybody. It's just you doing you. And then nobody's going to try and put you down or nobody says anything. Because you're just doing you. And you know what? I'm a champion. You don't see it yet. <laughs> but the world will know. And I will, I will show it to you.
That's amazing. Okay, so what? So, so you're, you know, you're a champion in your head. You're out of fourth place. What what came next? Mm-hmm. Oh, what came next was when they uh, took figures out of the sport, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that just, um, then it was great. I want to say it was great because you started in whatever place you pulled out of the basket. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't whatever you got from figures is backwards. Now I have a fair shot, even though I had already proven to the world or shown to the world I have good, or the country, that I have good figures. When they took the figures out, it was, it was for me uplifting because I could focus in more on my artistic side of skating. Okay. There was so much to do before. <laughs> okay. And in between then, um, I believe you made an appearance on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was after, that was my second Nationals. So at that point, um, after the first Nationals and the three of us were there, uh, there was a hype for the next year. Because for the next year, there were two african-american senior ladies first time ever i don't think there's ever been since then Mm -hmm. so it was myself and debbie thomas so i had a hero to look up to that literally was standing next to me in practice her coach would be or her patch would be the first year we were doing figures and so her patch was right next to mine um and after we did the figures that year (laughs) they had the big bins in the lobby, we all walked through and threw our skates away. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's the last figure, last figure ever. Um, so it was, you know, what happened then was there was a lot of confusion. It was 1988, um, Saturday Night Live, I believe it was in February. They took a picture of my split jump. It was, it was the first time my split jump, I guess, was made famous. Is I was during the evening news, you know, during Saturday Night Live, and can't think of his name right now. <clears throat> anyway, I was at a sleepover, and I woke up, and I saw myself on TV. And the joke was that my splits were so split that they couldn't believe I only got 10th place. <laughs> like, okay, because they'd never, nobody'd ever seen a split jump like that. It was just, you know, it was... For whatever reason, it was really cool because it was me. Debbie Thomas won. Yeah. Debbie Thomas was going to the Olympics, and I was on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> for my split jump, and for because I had a great program, and I moved up being the last year in figures. Of course, I would think I was 21st in figures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I moved up, biggest jump ever, 12 places. And because I skated so well, they really thought I was going to win. Yeah. They didn't know the politics behind skating. So NBC put up their favorite skater and it was me. And it was, it was pretty cool. So that drove me (laughs) for more, you know, it, it got me more excited about the possibilities of, of what I could do as a figure skater. Yeah. Uh, 
and yeah, the things will, and, and so then we're, we're coming into the late eighties, early nineties where the rappers and, um, are starting to do movies yep. and entertainment, black entertainment is, is all of a sudden entertainment and you see more of us on TV and there's the Fresh Prince show and, you know, just things are happening. And then I was on TV and I was like, okay, that's my next goal. I want to be on TV. So um, the new show in Living Color was coming out. Do you know that show? I do know Living Color. <laughs> okay. Well, the same year, 1992, it came out. I was auditioning to be a fly girl. And it was actually 91 because I had overtrained so much. I threw my back out and had to quit life. That's what I was telling you. I threw my back out. Yeah. I woke up, could not walk. And that was so devastating. I mean, I made it to, I made it to um, the sectionals that year through buys. I got medical buys. Um, through competitions because I had been a national level skater. So I got a medical buy to sectionals and then I was able to train to get there. And I just couldn't, I mean, I skated and I really believed at that point, that was the last time I was ever going to skate. Wow. Because it was just, I was in so much pain that I made myself worse, you know, by pushing through, but you know, you had my section of the country was Chrissy Yamaguchi. This was our sectionals. Was Chrissy Yamaguchi, Tanya Harding? Um, I can't even remember the other. There was just every one of us was somebody in the sport already. So you know, I had to be flawless, and there was no way I could be flawless. So I just I chalked it up to you know just have fun. This is your last competition. You know, it's time to grow up. Yep. and start a life uh you bet you know they told me that when i got back from that competition i probably wouldn't walk properly again so you know it was like it really was i really thought it was the end of all so i quit skating got a job i was a um <laughs> i was a, a manager at it's a department store for shishado <laughs> makeup and I did you know it's like okay well this is this is me I guess you know I made my mark and I had a friend from the east coast show up and she's she told me she says well you told me the day you quit skating you, you would go skiing because something everybody wants to do but I was so afraid I'd hurt myself and I'd never skate again yeah. so she showed up out of the blue we went skiing and she got me to join a night show. She says, you really want to do this for the rest of your life? She's like, you're walking fine. You even went skiing, Rory. You can do an ice show. So I joined an ice show. I joined a little show called Broadway on Ice. Yep. When I got to the show, they, um, one of the people there said, you know, you should do this competition, the U.S. Open. And, you know, I just... At the time I was doing the ice show, I was, I bartended at night. I taught skating during the day on my days off. And I did five shows a day in a theme park. 
and I had a group of friends in, well, one of my best friends was in the show with me, and he says to me, and it was 1991, he says to me, you know, you say you want to be somebody in the sport, you have to do something that nobody else does. And I was like, yeah, like my split jumps. And he says, no, like a backflip. <laughs> and I went, are you kidding me? Girls don't do those. He says, exactly. That's why you need to be the first. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I could do a backflip. I was a gymnast. <clears throat> but on the ice? <laughs> so, so, so for people who don't know the sport, right? I mm -hmm. mean... The thought of doing a, I, I'm going to be brutally honest here. My first mm -hmm. experience of ice skating, I'll never forget it. I think I must have been eight, maybe nine years of age. It could even have been 11. And I remember okay. being terrified because I went out and I'd been given the horror story that I think everybody who's ever done ice skating has been given of there was this one kid who fell and his fingers got sliced off right so oh, right, right. Sure, I, I, <laughs> that's the story that i got right now so yep. for me the idea of doing a backflip on ice i i, I don't know what i'd lose how <laughs> that's it, it was unheard of right you don't do backflips mm -hmm. on, on ice. But, you know, one thing I used to do as a kid, probably probably started this at 16, because I love gymnastics, is I used to, on our break, do backflips in the parking lot at the rink. Mm. And so it's like I thought to myself, okay, that's a big white space. I'm not afraid to do it outside, land in the gravel or on the beach or... You know, and my friend, Doug, he could do a backflip. So it was like, okay, will you teach me? And the training of a backflip for on the ice, you do everything off ice. It's a pressure move. And... Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the fact of, of making sure that you're going to be high enough is the biggest is really one of the biggest fears the biggest fear is i'm so used to for you know 15 16 years when i tap i i rotate like a jump i don't go upside down my feet you know what i mean yeah so it's the same takeoff as a regular jump that you do however you have to go you know but it's a flip when I did a backflip on the ice or off the ice, I only did a walkout like Surya does. Yeah. That's the only way I could do it. So I had all these fears in my head. Like, how am I going to land? Am I going to land on one foot? What's my, you know, what's going to happen when I'm upside down? Um, so we did, I did a lot of backflips off tables, off walls, you know, to get the stretch out when you land. Where? Where do you find a table to backflip from? Like, I, I just have this image of, in my head now, of you just walking along and you see a table, just flip. You, you see a chair flip like a skateboarder today, just flipping off. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know what? I was like that. I was like that as a kid. And then even then, I mean, I was 20, probably 21 years old, and I was still like that because I just... 
I just so needed to be more. Mm. Do you know? Then, then there was just, I just knew there was more to me. And, you know, there was two people said something in my life that, that stuck forever. What Mabel said, and the day I stepped off that ice at sectionals, when I decided that was it, yeah. I stepped off the ice and my mom was standing there and my mother did not come to competitions with me. I moved out at 14. So here we are all these years later, because when my back went out, I went to my mom's. So she's with me and I get off the ice and I'm crying. I'm not crying because I, because of how I skated. I'm crying because in my heart and in my mind, I was never going to see anybody again. The only time you see people, like if you go to a track meet, you see all the people from all, all your friends from yeah. from different schools, or you know what I mean. So I thought this is it. My mother held me, and she uh, <laughs> she looked me in my eye, and she says to me, "She goes, Rory, your spotlight is in a bigger arena." Mm. And it made sense. Mabel told me not to quit. It wasn't just about winning nationals. It's about, it was about making an impact. And where you were going, somebody's already been there. Debbie had been there. Did she make that impact we wanted? Mm. No, because they took away from it. They took away from what she did as what you, kind of what we were talking about earlier. And and instead of seeing who she is, let's talk about um, why she's not what she what we thought she could be. Yeah. Instead of all the positive things that she's doing or she did for for us in the sport, and I say positive, she did she did that for me too. I got to be there when the first African American won nationals. I was right there, and that meant something so when i saw that it's like okay let's you know you're rooting you're rooting so it wasn't for me to be the first african-american to win the olympics yes that's gonna make an impact impact and i keep saying it's going to yeah and it doesn't have to be an african-american it's gonna be a black it's going to make a difference yeah one day but where i could make a difference and i found out was my spotlight was in a bigger arena. It was in the professional world. And it was in a place where it was only a spotlight. There were no house lights. The jet, you know, you weren't, yeah. you weren't, it was just a whole different, I just have to keep saying arena. You know, it's, it's like going from, from playing in a, in a, in a um, jazz club to being at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Different stage. <laughs> because that manager, all together, different audience, just, you know, an audience where cat back flip, my split jumps, me not being a, um, a household name yet. Nobody knowing me. You listen to, uh, and, and I keep getting videos, and now I listen to those. I like to watch myself self now, and more than anything, I listen. 
people don't listen. They're watching the commentators. Like in people, when you're when you're watching um, an amateur event, and they're commentating, they're commentating, they're critiquing, they're you know back and forth, yeah. back and forth. Well, this might cost her the championship, and you know she did this better, and then we have the next skater. When you listen to the professional championships that I did because they they then in the 90s created a whole circuit and I want to say it was for me <laughs> and I want to say that because I was the only person in that circuit that wasn't an Olympian yeah you know it's I was there because the networks wanted me there so competitions would be held and they'd say we want Rory because I was different. So tell us about the flip. The first time. So we've we've had the <laughs> the the friend has taught you you're you're backflipping off tables now. You're wondering what's gonna mm -hmm. happen in the air. It's a pressure move. You're out <laughs> on the ice. It's the what 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 that day, what happened? What did it? Yes. Yeah, so I skated around that ring for two months. <laughs> two months with, with my friend gearing up for this <laughs> and I would you know he, he was right there here's the funny story is he was smaller than me and he's like should I put you on a harness and I'm like you know what when I finally do this I'll probably throw you off your feet I'll get it I'll do it and you know skating around preparing I have kind of a unique preparation because I had to get get my mind wrapped around not just gliding backwards and doing a flip and when I finally did it it was <laughs> the easiest thing on the planet I did it and I landed on my feet and then I kind of like squatted down you know so I was gliding backwards um, in a squat position laughing hmm. because I couldn't believe it took me so long to do something that felt so easy once yeah. I did it it's a like, graceful oh, that thing. Was it? <laughs> Thank it, you. <laughs> uh, to everybody um, listening to this, I, I'm gonna put a link <laughs> in the description because people need to see this. It this is a big moment, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, yeah. Watch the link. Um, but so so once once that's done and you've done something nobody else you've literally done something nobody else has ever done and I think that's that's that that for me is to be like that's that's always got to be recognized and applauded in people when you're the first to do something ever you know you're you were the you were the first and today especially on social media you see a lot of um the first person to I saw something that was really funny the other day it was like you know the first african-american to be on cosmopolitan magazine with natural hair and I was like really <laughs> <laughs> it was something like right. that. I was like really it's, are we really digging that deep now on the one hand I was upset on the other hand I was like it's good that we're digging that deep now like we there's a little barrier mm -hmm. broken now but like well, impact wise kind of what happened after you did that because impact wise it was it was amazing and i love that people geared up for my backflip you mm. know so i started putting it at the end of the program so that for me it was a 
again, it became a strength move then because can you do this at the end of a program? Yeah. You know, as well as you could do another jump. Can it be flawless like that? But here in America, they didn't, it wasn't, how can I say this? It wasn't until, I want to say Simone, but it might, it might be, I, I think there was the girl, no, yeah, it was Simone. It wasn't Gabby. Simone, um, I don't remember her last name, but she was the first African-American to win an all-around in gymnastics. And that was only then, not too long ago, did, did America start wanting to pump us up for being the first black to do something. When I did it, and you'll hear the commentating, they didn't want it. They didn't want to acknowledge it like that. And and as much as I wanted to, it was almost like in the '90s. That's not important. We don't want to make that a thing. Yeah. So the commentating becomes you'll you won't see anybody else in this competition do it. <laughs> that's what the commentating became. And then in 1998. After Saria did it seven years later, then it was um, you only see two. <laughs> <laughs> you only There's see only two. There's only two ladies that do this, <laughs> and then it went into um, when we were here in America when she turned pro. <laughs> we there were literal times. Literally, people would say, "Okay, which one of you is going to do the backflip?" And I'm sitting here thinking, why are you asking since I'm the first <laughs> to do it? But more than anything, why does it make a difference? Yeah, of course. Why can't we both do it? And I would look right. I remember looking at a, at a producer and saying, you have two blondes doing double toes. You got two brunettes doing camel spins. Why can't you have two black women doing backflips? Hmm. Well, because backflips overshine everything. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> everybody does double toes and everybody does camel spins. But you only got two people <laughs> who could do backflips. Who could do backflips. And we just happened to be black. And they would actually say, it would, you would hear the Freudian slip. Okay, wait, you guys both can't do the black flip. Excuse me? <laughs> I was going to say that. Oh, they must have called it black flips so many times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Europe was the only place we got to do them. side, And we would do them side by side. We have fun. We were friends. Yeah. You know, people trying to pitch you. That's what, it, that's what we became, Saria and I. And Saria is five years younger than me. So she's a whole different era. Mm. And skating, it's four years because you got your Olympics, your Olympic gap. So if, you know, my Olympic dream was, was 92, she was 96. She was, you know, Debbie was 88. So to come on to, uh, I don't know, a platform. And then all of a sudden it's like, because there's, there's two of us, we must hate each other. There's gotta be problems. Wait, she's darker than you. So she probably doesn't like you as much. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys were best friends. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's in Europe, but it was more America was like that. Yeah. 
So the impact of being the first did not, there was no impact. That's why it's being pulled out now. Yeah. That's why you, you hear, or you, you will probably start here. The first African-American, we can just say black yeah. person to win a U.S. Open. That was in 1992. But nobody else ever competed. Yeah, that's I was right. I was the, the one who got that far. It's not for lack of trying. <laughs> it just hadn't arrived yet. It just hadn't reached. <laughs> yeah, we just hadn't gotten to the party. <laughs> Spectacular. So, so it's 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 nice to feel an impact now. You know, being close to fifty years old, that. People are like, wow, you were the first. People don't believe it because I, I look younger um, than 50. And, and they just can't imagine that, you know, a normal person walking, you know, in and out of an ice rink was the first to do anything. Well, that's, that's why, like, I really want to take the opportunity to talk to you because I think it's important for people to hear that yeah you know history is made it, it it our history was someone else's present like the there's first we're still here like that could be we someone listening to this could be the first trillionaire the first person to invent this new technology like it's there for us to take just because we haven't arrived right. yet it doesn't mean it may not be you or your cousin or your friend or it's it's all it's all still there for the taking for us in any area or endeavor that we choose to put ourselves into and i think your story sums that it's a great example of that thank you no you're it's it's my it's my pleasure and, and my honor so so what what's happening now so i know that you formed um you and i'm gonna mention this um, but you accepted mm-hmm. the Lifetime Achievement Award on the behalf of Mabel Fairbanks. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2002. And that was, you know, that was, that was incredible. And I felt so completely honored that she picked me, you know, on of everybody that, that, <laughs> that she has touched in her life. You know, Scott Hamilton was one of her students, Ty Babylonia, you know, she set Ty and Randy up. And for me to leave that impression on a hero, um, it was just amazing. It was, it was amazing. That weekend was crazy because <laughs> that whole weekend I spent probably, or the week uh, prior and then, all around there, I spent with my aunt Roberta um, in New York. We, you know, I went to visit her, and and um, we got to catch up. And I spent a couple of days with her. Uh, went to a concert and, that she was performing in, and that's <laughs> to have Roberta Flack walk around a coliseum, introducing me as her star niece was amazing and i went from there um got in a limo (laughs) and went to connecticut where i did a show with aretha franklin and neatest thing about that is when aretha came 
down when she came into the um, green rooms, you know, we all had our different rooms. You could hear her walk, come in the hall and go, where's Rory? I need to be her first. I promise Roberta. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Aretha Franklin. And it was just, you know, the time of my life because she, you know, I had dinner with her after. Um, she let me stand in and sing because uh, there was a point where she sang uh, Pink or Freeway of Love uh, was the finale, and it was too cold with the ice. So <laughs> I, they, and they just had a track, you know. So um, oddly enough, being one of the only skaters out there we'll say being the skater of color i knew all of her songs yeah so i just stood there singing them all you know and when it came down to it and she didn't oh roberta's or aretha's not coming out and i grabbed the mic and i you know it's like let me go you know i'll just i'll sing it so that was a lot of fun had dinner after her afterwards and it was probably actually i'll tell you it was Right before the show opened, I found out Mabel passed. Mm. And um, it was, yeah, it was the night of the show, and I found out, and it was devastating. However, the piece of music that I picked, I picked, and I was then able to perform it for Mabel. Mm. Because I found out that, you know, she passed and then she asked, you know, if I would accept her before she passed, if I would accept her um, award. Um, and so the next day I got back in the car and went back up to New York to accept her award. But I skated to, pr to bridge over troubled waters. And that was this, it's such an emotional song. And when I picked it, I thought of her because she is our bridge. She was our bridge. You know, she's the one who got us there. Otherwise, that water would be, you know, we still be trying to get over the water. Yeah. And I don't know if you, you, you probably, you can watch it. It's on Facebook. And I think Roy put it up on Instagram. But when you see it, like I watched that and I just, I can't believe I skated like that. But I really feel like as as great as it felt, and I watch it, and the emotion, and everything, because I was just really wrapped up in making sure that I did Mabel justice, you know. And uh, so yeah, I got to go. I got to then go up to New York. It was right after nine eleven happened. So the first, the first thing that we did, there was some press happening, and then I got the feet. I got, I got to go serve the firefighters at Ground Zero lunch. <laughs> All these amazing things that I got to do because I stayed in skating. Yeah, you kept at it. You stayed the course. I wouldn't have got to do that. Yeah, I'm still doing it. I'm still on course because there still hasn't been enough progress made. So here we are, you and I, mm -hmm. on course, mm -hmm. you know, divine intervention. And there's going to be a first black Olympic champion. They might be listening. Their mother might be listening. And she doesn't even have a baby yet. <laughs> but there will be a first. And, and through all of, you know, I'm not going to, through all my efforts, I hope that I live to see that.
Oh, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're making me emotional now, but you still have some more firsts to go through because yes. you created or you created, produced and choreographed the first all African-American ice skating production, Ebony on Ice, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. <laughs> and I, I want, you know what, it has to become worldwide. I think that Europe would... When you're saying about how can you teach your son, yeah, this is what we call edutainment. Yeah, it's educational. <laughs> you are going to learn <clears throat> so much in this show. I mean, we start the show starts in Africa. It's it's a it starts off as a celebration and turns into a slave hunt. Wow! And the the um. The narration, how you how how you go through, it's narrated, and it's narrated through an ancestral side. You start with the little girl who is thirteen years old, and she's about to have, and she's about to become um, a woman, she'd be married in Africa. You're thirteen; it's time. It all gets interrupted. The whole celebration, and she's excited. And you hear this in the narration. It's my first celebration. And it never happens. She wakes up on the shore of Africa to to um, the sounds of the waves and the boats and things they've never heard before. And where are we? And where's this body of water? Mm. You know. And then they, so and then you, I use Amazing Grace because my son, <laughs> he, uh, you know, researched it, researched it so well. It had to be the boat ride. Yeah. You know, so to watch these, these, the skaters are dancing on, on a stage of ice because it's the first, I don't know, people know it's in a theater. So it's got a back screen. It's a theater. It's a theater event. It's like, if you were, I want to be on Broadway. That's my goal. Yep. That is my goal, and so let's let's go back to, just a bit. So, if if I'm right, the, mm -hmm. the, the the you this started in 2002, and it's still running mm -hmm. now. No, we we okay. took a long hiatus. I took a long hiatus. Okay. There was things that happened with with um with our executive producers on the second, maybe the third tour, third mm -hmm. or fourth tour. Um, and so right now we're, we're, I guess m the best way I say it is we're auditioning, <laughs> we're auditioning executive producers. We're okay. looking, um, because, and, and we just need somebody like-minded. The hardest thing with producing a first is that when people see it, there's, there's a side of people that want to take over mm. and cut you out. And they tried to do that. I, and on the internet now, you'll see Ebony on Ice 2. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, tried to take the whole idea, you know, and run with it. And it just, you know, for them, it didn't work. Um, for me, I took a break because some of my skaters uh, went and did that while they were in rehearsals with me. So we finished out the tour and. You know, life went on. Now is the important time to bring it back. Mm. 
mm. with what everything is going through the world um and i'll say going through but the color change in the world and i say change but you know what we're just a little more illumin uh, illuminated right now mm. you know the spotlight is on all of us <laughs> yeah most definitely and so yes and since it is let's give them a show something that is going to make people understand recognize not just the history of blacks the history of music the history of skating you know there's there's this show goes through genres when we get to america what did, what kind of music did we have we only had um we had slave hymns yeah you know we practice church outside in the fields all that's in this show oh it sounds and, amazing and, we need to get yeah. this we need to get this here in the uk take it around the caribbean let me know i'm in mm -hmm. i'm invested <laughs> okay okay you know find some investors i'm there <laughs> we are all looking because it's 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 amazing and you'll see on my instagram page as we you know pull up different pictures of, of um different scenes from the show but we go from we go from from field songs to uh i have a poem my angelou uh i rise is in there that takes us in the gospel because we rose up out of those fields and built churches and we were able to go inside hmm. and and create music and so the music that you hear too it's not just from that era i got kirk franklin in there doing stomp because it's relevant now it's relevant to hear that amazing grace went into kind of a hip-hop praise yeah do you know and it, it doesn't have to so so we go through that take a break we go into jazz because that's what was created next all the genres and a lot of the first we talk about you know and and when when i say we talk the show moves so fast through that it's just uh it's just a wealth of 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 knowledge and entertainment and I believe, I know, because we have testimonials, when people came out of the show, it was just like, they couldn't believe, like, all the music that they heard in there. There's just so much different music. How, how did you get uh, Mary J. Bly and, mm. and, and the same thing, Teddy Pendergrass is in there? Plus well, dance, because there was an evolution. Ice. Yeah. Plus history. Yeah. <laughs> plus costumes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real and show. My, 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 exactly. And, and my, the, the biggest change in the show, the biggest, I say change, but improvement is our ice will be black instead of white. And so with black ice and how I have the costumes, it literally looks like they're dancing, gliding, because the floor is black. So it's, they're probably, you'll look, they look probably like they're floating an inch off the ground if you don't see the blades because they're black too. Wow. And they, we have shoe covers, so they actually look like shoes. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's when you, when, when it's done, when you see it, you just really wouldn't think that, that that would be an ice show. 
because I could easily do it. Here's here's an interesting fact. <clears throat> I had some stars come do um, some performances the first year that we ran. So Savion Glover tapped. He set up his stage and a little square that reached out into the audience um, off of the ice. And <laughs> the year after he did my yeah, after he did Ebony on Ice, he did his own tour and he made it the anthology of African American music. Mm. Tap. <laughs> and somebody says, Doesn't that bother you? I said, No. What is that? How does that have anything to do except he took a good idea? <laughs> so I feel blessed and honored that, you know, <laughs> he could take that idea and run with it doesn't do anything towards my show and scheme except make it more important and once again that theme of putting people against each other rears its head right yes yes it does yeah. <laughs> it's amazing so to anybody um listening to this now how can they get in contact with you how can they um find out what you're doing where are you all the details you can Give them all out. <laughs> In, Instagram, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have Facebook. You can Facebook Roy Flack on on everything. And then I have uh, what is the other one? Is it's Roy Roy, correct? I think it's Roy R O I R O R Y is the big Facebook page that is the page that everything's put on fantastic so rory flack r-o-y instagram instagram mm -hmm. is definitely rory flack i've seen that i, I believe facebook yeah. is rory <laughs> flack as well you also have your website do you want to say mm -hmm. website address color of ice color of ice productions color of uh, ice productions yep ink Oh, wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's I'm making it too long. It's color of ice pro. Color of ice pro dot com. Okay, we're getting we're getting yes. the plugs in. Let's get the we're plugs in. in now. Right. <laughs> Not miss the plug. And anyone interested in seeing what it would take to to um do ebony on ice, you can DM me on Instagram. Great stuff. One question from me. Do you coach? Oh, yes, I do. I coach. I have been coaching now for 28 years. Mm -hmm. um, one, of my, one of my past students was in the Olympics this year, um, and I taught him from 5 to, I want to say, 20. Yeah, until about 20, until he switched countries. So as he competed for America, I was his uh, choreographer, and and spin coach the second hand coach the second side of the mark coach and then he he um switched countries and competes for canada now and he made it to the olympics so and i i teach from little babies to adults fantastic and one last thing i have to ask this so mm -hmm. for any mm -hmm. um young black boy or black girl out there that's thinking about getting onto the ice and they've heard the story about the fingers getting cut off 
what, what, that I heard when I was first going <laughs> onto the ice. What, what, what do you have to say to them? What, what do you want to say to them? The most I will say, and, uh, and, and I'm laughing because my neighbor across the hall just said that to me. I said, your daughter needs to get on the ice. And she said, she'll cut her fingers off. And I, the first thing I looked at her and I said, your fingers are not supposed to be on the ice. Let's start there. <laughs> the first thing that you need to do, and this is, is learn how to fall and get up because that's the most that you do in the beginning. So if you know how to fall, and that's it's like you, you do that off the ice, fall, get up. And, and to fall, I, I, can, I can explain it. You bend your knees and lean to one side. A lot of people fall and they go straight onto their knees and their arms stretch out forward and you do kind of a belly flop. That's when people talk about the fingers because if there's people skating around you, they're not going to see your hands. Huh. I, I don't think so you realized how profound what you just said was. <laughs> Learn how to fall and then get up. You have to be comfortable with something. Make it falling in the beginning. Falling and getting up. Make that the most comfortable thing you can do. Then you can fly out there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 